for the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and Cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. This is the Redbird Report on a Friday. And with Brad Thompson, I'm Danny Mack, Dan McLaughlin, both of 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals have wrapped up their series with the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. And now they'll welcome the San Francisco Giants to town. 7-15 the first pitch, 1-15 tomorrow, Sunday night baseball, uh, Sunday night. So let's start. You gave me a look like, yeah, no kidding, it's Sunday night baseball. Well, no, I wasn't sure what night Sunday night baseball was, so I appreciate Is you Is that why they call it Sunday that. night baseball? I'm not sure why, but it's I'm starting to piece it together. Okay, good. Um, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, you drop two or three against the Orioles and for two of the three games, you really didn't hit. You didn't have a lot. Yesterday, six hits for the Cardinals. They had the bases loaded situation with Tyler O'Neill midway through, couldn't come through. Essentially, a bullpen game for the Orioles. You had a great night two nights ago in game two of the series against Baltimore, but that's where this team is right now. It's a lot of hit and miss with their offense. Yeah, I don't even know where to start, honestly, with the offense because, as you said, in game two of this series, they were firing. It was 11 hits, 10 runs, five doubles, I think it was, a home run. Like, that's exactly what you wanted to see. And then the response the next day is nothing. Like, it's uh, it was difficult. I thought Steven Matz did a good job in the ball game of giving them an opportunity. He made a couple of mistakes. He made one uh, to, to Mateo on a 1-2 fastball, and it was a backup breaking ball that Ben Boom hit out of the ballpark a little bit later. But ultimately, he gave you a chance to win, and he needed that, by the way. He really did. He was able to get in on the righties, and I think where he's kicking himself, and that's the key with him in a lot of his starts has been, can he get it? in on the righties because if, if it's over the middle of the plate or outer half guys get extension he gets beat up a little bit but you, you know you look at the home run yesterday early on that came on a one-two pitch uh then he also allowed a two-strike home run that is to to bim boom that's that's frustrating and then uh, late in the game it was cabrera and with two strikes another two-strike rbi hit to give them to three to nothing the Cardinals came back with two runs but overall I thought Matt's was fine um he's now three and three on the season but did look a lot better than his previous start against the Giants what do, what do you think Dan because we've talked about this off air uh, and I, I know that I've kicked it around with, with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter uh what should the expectation level be for Stephen Matt's like where should we where should he be because everybody looks at he's the big price tag and you think uh, and relatively right from the Cardinal spending this year four-year 44 million dollar deal I think that a lot of fans look at him and say well well, he's making that money. He better be like an ace. He's never been that. Like that's no. not what he is. Well, that I mean, you want to put it in perspective. You can spend that forty-four million and get one year out of Scherzer, yes. or spend forty-four and get four years out of Mats. You're literally one million dollar off. So, <laughs> that's one way to look at it. And so when you say it in those terms, that means he's probably not a number one. So what what would I reasonably expect is that he gives you a competitive start every time out. Does that mean you win every one of those? No. But should he be giving up? Eight earned in a couple of innings against San Francisco? No. Should he do what he did yesterday? Yes. Yeah. Which I think he can make uh, competitive. He can be competitive, keep you in games. He's going to give up a home run here or there. But it's been odd in watching his starts. One good, then the next one bad. One good, next one bad. And he's been inconsistent in that regard. Yeah, let's get off the roller coaster with right. him. And uh, the, the way that I kind of put it with Matt's, my, my thought would be my expectations for the season is give me 150-plus innings. I need that. And an ERA somewhere around four 
is kind of what I, I look yeah. at for him. And that's a three or a four. Yeah, and, and and that's perfect. And he can be that. But the key is other guys got to continue doing what yep. they're doing. Miles Michaelis, boy, you talk about a revelation in a season that he's having. That's got to keep going. Yep. Adam Wainwright, great to get him back off of the COVID IL slated to go on Sunday night baseball, which is, uh, in fact, on Sunday, Sunday night. night. Yeah, yeah. Sunday night. Uh, so that's that's probably going to happen. Uh, Dakota, want to see more and more out of him. But, I mean, the, the, the expectation level for Matt's, it's it's not that you set the bar low. It's just you just he's not an ace. That's not never what he's been. Uh, I, I'm really curious about Hicks going tonight, game one against the Giants. Uh, I thought he looked good his last time out in San Francisco. And what I'm curious about is at what point, and, and you'd be better to answer this question than I, but at what point do they say, okay, the training wheels are off, so to speak, on how many pitches and looking at the innings and the eye test and that kind of thing. You are now a part of this rotation, and we're not trying to do different things the game before to say bullpen guys because you're only going to give us 55 to 60 pitches because that's not the case. I think tonight you're looking at probably – what, 70 to 80? I test it, see where he's at. But at some point, you got to pull off the training wheels and let him go. I think that there might be one training wheel on all year. Like, there's always going to be something. You remember, this guy has not thrown that many innings. What's he thrown in the – he's thrown under 40 innings in the last three big league seasons, right? So you're going to watch him. But you are right. You can't have a starter that's that's limited to 50, 60 pitches each time out. So career highs for Hicks last time, four and a third was a career high. 68 pitches was a career high. I would assume that we'll see him right around that 80 mark in this game. And with Hicks stuff, he can get deep into games with that. He, he really can. If he's throwing his fastball in the zone, he gets so much weak contact. It is really interesting when you look at some of the batted ball numbers against him. He does not get as much swing and miss as a guy that throws that 97 yeah. to 101 with sync does. He doesn't. But what he gets is so much weak contact. You look at barrel rates, this dude is darn near impossible to barrel up. So let that play to your advantage. Get in there early. Go attack these Giants hitters and let them get themselves out. Let's talk about attacking as an offense. You know, the Cardinals lost the final two in San Francisco. They had the off day, and they now drop two of three going into the series tonight with the Giants. Um, you made the valid point going into the series. They were letting a lot of fastballs go for strikes, not attacking those fastballs. And then yesterday, you know, not much of an offensive attack. I mean, you, you know at the end of the day and at the end of the year what you're going to get out of probably I'm going to throw Tommy Edmond in there too, but Edmond, Goldie, Arenado. And then after that, and Yepes now has been a, a nice surprise, if I want to use the word surprise, but he's done well for a, a young kid. But there's got to be production from the corner outfield spots. Now, Dylan Carlson looking better, but Tyler O'Neill not. And a couple more strikeouts yesterday. The base running error at the end of the game. He had the strikeout with the bases loaded. Um, something has got to get going with him to, to get him going because they are relying a lot on him. Because here's a here's the thing, Brad. If if Carlson and O'Neill were doing what they did at the end of last year, Paul DeYoung might still be here. Yeah. Because you could live with that. You'd say, Well, I'll take the plus four defensive run saved and being one of the, the tops in that department analytically, but you couldn't live with having multiple guys like they have right now in that lineup. So uh, two things with, with those guys for me, like you have aspirations as a ball club and, and as an organization, when you come in to the Cardinals in spring training, you know, your goal is to win the division and ultimately go compete for a championship. And my thing is with, with the way that, the corners have been, and you're right, Dylan is turning the corner. He hit the home run yesterday. He's got a seven-game hitting streak. May has looked a lot better for him. Very promising. O'Neal, not much promising right now. You don't win the division, 
And you can't win a World Series without those guys being key contributors. You can't. Nolan Arenado is going to be great. Paul Goldschmidt is going to be great. I believe that Tommy Edmond is going to be a steady presence at the top of the order. You need more. You need more depth. And until that is there consistently, we are going to see this team go up and down. Uh, yesterday is a great example of a game that th those are games you should win. You give up three runs in a game, this Cardinal offense, you should win those games. But right now, you're just inconsistent. What are you seeing with the offense? I mean, I, I mentioned it earlier. You're seeing a lot of swing and miss on the fastballs, or they take those pitches down the middle with a fastball. That's maddening, by yeah, the way. Yeah, two nights ago, aggressive. And we saw it. They jumped all over uh, the young kid making that start. But then yesterday with a bullpen start, and I get it. It's different looks. Sometimes that happens, but we're just not seeing consistency from these guys. No, I, I really was hoping, and I guess it's crazy to see one game and hope, like, here's the, uh, the, let's turn the corner now. But in that game, too, that you're talking about against the Orioles, it was Spencer Watkins on the mound and then a, a bevy of relievers that came in after him. The team was, they were driving the ball the other way. So, so let me ask you this, though. Why are we seeing better at bats when you should be seeing the opposition's better pitchers late innings in eighth and ninth innings and closers, and they're able to have more competitive at-bats against them. Why, why do you think there's not a sense of urgency early on or even in the middle of games? Yeah, I'm not sure that the sense of urgency ends up being the issue. Like, I don't know. Like, and that's what they're kicking around, too. Like, why is this happening? Why do we continue to find ourselves uh, in these holes? Is it paralysis by analysis? Are we digging in too deep on these starters? Then all of a sudden, if a sequence doesn't go the way that we expect it to go, all of a sudden the wheels are turning again, and you get caught thinking up there. And I feel feel like at times, and, and again, I don't know. I don't know what each one of these individuals is processing when they're in the box, but it looks like that, doesn't it? To, to our point of the the missing fastballs that are you know down the middle, it's like what we're, what are we looking yeah. for in that count? So and guys that normally when right are crushing those type of pitches. Yeah, just that's what's really concerning. I mean, sometimes you get into ruts. You know that it's 162 games that happens, and it seems like good and bad. You feed off each other. But where's the – like, game two of the series against the Orioles, that was a team effort where sometimes you're seeing individual efforts maybe and not the team concept, and maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Well, and maybe that is uh, one of the reasons in that ball game you saw, uh, again, a lot of hits the other way. So maybe the thought is, all right, let's just keep this line moving. And then all of a sudden those, those hits the other way are doubles. Yeah. And you are really driving the baseball, and that's something, as we've talked about plenty of times – the uh, the offense, it's not just the look at the average OBP, OPS. Like sometimes those numbers can be skewed. You're getting some bad batted ball luck. The Cardinals are not running into bad batted ball luck. They are not no. hitting the ball hard. You look at the Statcast numbers. Uh, they they I think that they have the lowest hard hit rate in all of baseball. So there are some things that need to be be cleaned up for them. But I, I still believe in the cast of characters, and that's the thing we saw it for two months last year yeah. at the end of the year. And the the thing that I would want to know is what's the difference? Because right. two months is not a small sample size. That's a third of your season right there. Why are the young guys right now at times putting together better at bats? than guys that have been here for a while. Juan Yepes is putting together competitive at-bats. We saw that at the end of the game yesterday. Uh, came in with a runner at third and, and lines out to right against Bautista, who's throwing triple digits. Uh, digits. Two nights ago, Brendan Donovan is on base four times with a couple of walks. And two of his walks yesterday and the day before were competitive at-bats. It wasn't like four straight. No, it was foul ball, foul ball, tough pitch take, ball inside, draws a walk. You know, I mean, things like that. 
you're seeing the young guys give you these competitive at-bats. No, you are. So uh, it's funny. I asked uh, Ali Marmel about this yesterday. I asked him about Juan Yepes specifically. And I said, hey, when you got a guy that's coming up and doing what Yepes is doing and taking the at-bats that he is and the approach that he has, do you tinker with him? Like, do, do you just – do you, like – because you're always learning, young hitter. Like, yeah. how, how many things are you going to teach him? He's like, he's like, right now we're letting him do his thing, and that's what you should do. Like, yeah. like why mess with a Until good? Until you thing? show me you can't do it. Exactly. And that's exactly what he said. He said if the opposition continues to pour in tons of breaking balls on him, and he's not staying back, he's not making adjustments, then we'll work with him, and we'll figure out different ways to show him how he's being attacked and how he should attack them back. But right now he's in a good place, and it seems like some of these guys coming up from Memphis find themselves in a good place. So. Uh, Look, I, I don't know what they're doing differently. I know they don't have all the resources that these big league guys have. Sometimes you don't need any resources. Sometimes right. you need to go out there and let your talent play and, and just go out there and swing the bat, take competitive at-bats. So another final thought here is uh, Jake Walsh. We saw him this week since our last podcast make his major league debut. He had two scoreless innings in that debut. He looks to me like he could be a weapon throughout this season. Jake Walsh, to me, is somebody that could stick around. Yeah, they mentioned the four punch-outs that he had that that big-time breaking ball, the knuckle curve. like He looks the part, and he's cool, calm, and collected out on the mound. So this is a guy that if, if Andre Pallante had not emerged in spring training, he was going to be Walsh. Like Jake right. Walsh was going to be uh, on the team, and it was actually a little bit surprising, even with Pallante doing what he was doing, because Jake Walsh was on the 40-man roster already, so Pallante impressed that much. But I really do see him being in the mix. It's another guy that's throwing mid to upper 90s with a good breaking ball and a feel for what he's doing. And uh, I, I liked it. And I like what we've seen out of the the youth here. I was walking into the ballpark yesterday, and uh, Bill DeWitt Jr. was walking in and just talking about the ball game the day before. And he, he brought it up. He's like, man, these young guys bring some energy, don't they? Yeah. And they do, whether it's Yepes, Donovan, they you mentioned Kramer Robertson had made his major league debut over the weekend he got sent back with Edmundo Sosa uh, coming back off of the the COVID IL Walsh making his major league debut there's something to it the the energy of some of these young guys and the goal is for them to not go back you get a right. taste of the big league life dude you do not want to go back to uh, with all due respect Memphis is a great place to play you can be in AAA Boy, Memphis is a good place for you, but it ain't the big leagues, right? You get a taste of it, you want to stay. All right, so you got Hicks, Hudson, and uh, Wayno going on Sunday Night Baseball. That's so on that's, Sunday uh, night. The, the three lined up starting uh, tonight, and this should be a competitive series as we wrap it up with the Giants. They always are. These are always fun games, and uh, I was talking to their broadcast crew last weekend about the rivalry. They think that this rivalry with the Cardinals and the Giants is one of the better ones in baseball and I started to think about that. You go back to 87 when they, they had, you know, guys that were throwing inside and brawls and Roger Craig and Whitey. I mean, it one was flap down. Yeah. Jeffrey Leonard, one <laughs> flap down. And then you had the NLCSs. You had a couple of those that went the, uh, the Giants way early 2000s and later. So uh, McGuire, you had uh, Bonds, you had Tony, you had Dusty. It, it's been fun for the last couple of years, so I would imagine a lot of energy at the ballpark tonight. A couple of organizations that have expectations that are championships. like yeah. that's, that's what they want. And a couple of organizations also, and the Giants more so than the Cardinals, but very analytically driven. You know, you know. So I think of this series and I think of matchups and I think of managers, whether it's Gabe Kapler or Ollie, like who makes that move to put their team over the top? I think that 
that we're going to see a lot of this, the tacticians at work, and it's going to be interesting. Always fun to visit with you, buddy. Great job on the games against uh, Baltimore. We'll do this again next week. It's going to be a great series. Let's do it again. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with the TV voice of the cards, Danny Mack, and cards World Series champion Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.